Support for Pivot comes from Vanta. When it comes to ensuring your company has top-notch security practices, things can get complicated fast. Now, you can assess risk, secure the trust of your customers, and automate compliance for SOC 2, ISO 27001, HIPAA, and more with a single platform, and that platform is Vanta. Vanta's market-leading trust management platform helps you continuously monitor compliance alongside reporting and tracking risk. Plus, you can save time by completing security questionnaires with Vanta AI. To learn why thousands of global companies use Vanta to automate evidence collection, unify risk management, and streamline security reviews, watch Vanta's on-demand demo at vanta.com slash pivot. That's V-A-N-T-A dot com slash pivot to watch Vanta's on-demand demo. Support for the show comes from Mercury. There's an art to making the complex feel simple. Everything should be in sync, so even the smallest part serves a bigger purpose. Simplicity can transform your business operations. That's why Mercury powers your financial workflows from the bank account so ambitious companies have the precision control and focus they need to perform at their best. Apply in minutes at mercury.com. Hi, everyone. This is Pivot from New York Magazine and the Vox Media Podcast Network. I'm Kara Swisher, and I have a doctorate. Thank you. What? I mean, you got I, I, I gave the doctor? commencement address at Cooper Union, and they gave me an honorary doctorate. And so wow. you may call me Dr. Swisher now. Dr. Swisher. No, your yeah. family now has two doctors. Yeah, exactly. Mine's a fake one. Uh, but there I am. I don't have a PhD or anything near it. I have a master's degree, but certainly not a PhD. People all the time introduce me in media as doctor because I assume every professor has a PhD. Oh, really? Yeah, which I don't, just to be yeah. clear. Yeah. How was that? How did your commencement speech go? It was great. You know, I have to tell you, Scott, you want to feel better about the world, meet young people, meet with young people. The, the student who was giving the address was astonishing. Mm-hmm. Just a great speech. They are honest about things, but hopeful, and yet at the same time, not stupid. He talked about how he hates the word resilient and being referred to as resilient, which I Mm -hmm. agree with. You know what I mean? Like as if you get used to being under siege. And so he was great. It was just, it was great. And the, the, the woman who runs Cooper Union, it's a really, it's a small, but really interesting school right in the heart of, of, um, the East Village. Um, and it, it sort of combines art and science. And so there's architecture, there's yeah. art, there's uh, lots of engineers, mostly yeah. engineers. Um, but uh, it sort of reminds me of that Steve Jobs idea of art and science together. And you can see it in action. I just was super impressed. Uh, it, used to, it used to give every student free, free tuition. They had some setbacks, and they're trying to get back to that now. Um, so the students are— Was this you your know, first speaking pushing. engagement at a um, commencement? Yes. Yes, yes. I did a high school commencement once. But oh, By the way, that's not me wanting to know about you. That's me prompting you oh. to ask me if I've oh, ever spoken did you, at a commencement. Did you ever speak at a high, uh, 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 any kind of commencement, any kind of transition of people to a next thing? I've spoken at one college commencement. Do you want what? to guess where and when it was? I would, if they were smart, UCLA, because you went there, um, but uh, Florida State University. I don't know. <laughs> FSU? Yeah. I was the student speaker at the Berkeley commencement. Oh, my goodness. When you went there? That's a real flex. Wow. You were elected then, just like this kid that was so amazing at Cooper Union. Were you elected by your peers? 
I wasn't elected. Oh, I guess I was selected. They came out yeah. to me. Someone from student government came up and said, we'd like you to be the commencement speaker. Oh, wow. Yeah, because usually they get selected now in a vote or, or competition. Wow, that's great. What did you say? Let me hear a very short version. Oh, I, I, I was, it was all about my mom. My mom was sick. Mm-hmm. So it was very emotionally manipulative. No, but you probably, it was probably heartfelt. That's called heartfelt, Scott. It was probably true. Did you have hair at the time? A lot of hair. I had good hair. As a matter of fact, (laughs) you you know how I got to Berkeley? My mode of transportation was a skateboard and a ponytail. I had a ponytail in graduate school. Man. That was a good luck. That's how you lose your virginity at 19. Have a ponytail and a skateboard. The skateboard actually probably helped. Yeah, you would probably be a good commencement speaker now, I would would think. You're very inspirational. Yeah, yeah. I I told you, you helped Alex, for example. You inspired him. And Louis wants to talk to you about your man book. He has thoughts about men and his friends and and friendship. And he's very much someone who wants men to be more emotional friends. We are. I think a lot of young men are mistaking friends for real friendship. And that That's is, right. you know, we're, we're, we're online. I mean, when I first moved to New York, I didn't have friends. I had wingmen. I'm like, I'm yeah. new to New York. I need to go out. I need partners in crime. But I didn't yeah. really appreciate what it meant to invest in and receive friendship. And I don't, think, yeah. I don't think men in general are very good at it. This is what Louis was talking about. And he's made some other friends that are more friends. And, you know, he's, he struggles with it because he's someone who is a, wants a, an emotional friendships with mm-hmm. men. Like with, and he wants more from his friends. He, he wants to expect more from his friends than just, hey, dude, let's drink or let's mm-hmm. go to a strip club or whatever. Um, it was a very, and I said, you need to talk to Scott Gallery about this because it was very, this is, I think, what you're writing about a little but in right. book. Right? So anyway, he has some thoughts. He has some thoughts he'd like to share with you. Well, I was well, very. If we run out of ideas, we'll turn to his doctorate mother. <laughs> <laughs> Doc- you have to call me Doctor Swisher. Doctor Swisher. Yeah. Doctor Swisher is yeah. in the house. Yeah, it was great. We have a lot to talk about. Lots has gone on, especially yeah. including last night, and of course the HBO Max uh, rebrand, which you've been having a good time talking about. Oh my god! But today we have so much. Uh, I want to get to the that that rebrand first, but first, I just so you know, we're going to talk. Today about Ron DeSantis and the Elon Musk experience, a failure to launch, as they're calling it, or disaster. Get it? DeSantis, disaster. Uh, the Surgeon General says social media is a new smoking, and we'll take a listener question about the HBO Max rebrand. So we're going to get to that in a minute. But I want to start with something that's super disturbing to me, and it's one of the many things, speaking of Ron DeSantis, students at Florida Elementary School can no longer read the poem that Amanda Gorman read at President Biden's inauguration. It was a beautiful poem. The school limited access to the poem after a single complaint from a single parent. The parent complained the poem is, quote, not educational and contains, quote, indirect hate speech while misidentifying the author as Oprah Winfrey. Last week, uh, Governor DeSantis signed into law a requirement the schools pull challenge books within five days of receiving complaints. This is ridiculous. Uh, let's listen to part of the poem the parent pointed out. Wade, we've braved the belly of the beast. We've learned that quiet isn't always peace in the norms and notions of what just is, isn't always just is. And yet the dawn is ours before we knew it, somehow we do it, somehow we've weathered and witnessed a nation that isn't broken, but simply 
unfinished week. Well, she's so impressive. That was impressive. I remember that. It was very mm-hmm. uh, moving. Uh, LGBT uh, book bans are increasingly common, but a report by the Washington Post found that a majority came from just 11 people. 11 people in our nation are doing this. The serial complaint filers accounted for 6% of all challengers, but were responsible for 60% of all filings. It's a loud group. And just in time for Pride Month, I'll note, Target will move some of its LGBTQ plus merchandise after backlash threatened its workers' safety. The retail has featured Pride products in June for more than a decade. Well, if you think about what we have now, a campaign conducted by certain parents and student unions to ceremonially ban books, books targeted are those seen as subversive Mm. or representing ideologies opposed to a certain viewpoint, and books that are mostly written about um, uh, a lot about coming of age, about views that are contrary to kind of what mm-hmm. you will call this um, conservative American Christianity. Now, what I just said there mm-hmm. is the exact description. If you go to Wikipedia and mm-hmm. read the first paragraph, but take out the word Nazi, yeah. what I just read is how Wikipedia describes the Nazi book burnings. Mm-hmm. And to not call on the past around how, and immediately say to yourself, this is how it all starts. Yeah. They're targeting, it's thinly veiled. If she were a white poet mm-hmm. whose parents lived in Alabama and she drove a pickup truck, would they ban the poem? This is so, this is such thinly veiled bigotry and weirdness. And it, there's not enough people who are old enough or unfortunately no a World War II veteran or a Holocaust survivor. And then you have the world's most powerful man saying to a famous uh, uh, famous kind of target of anti-Semitism that he hates humanity. Yeah, And I, we have same. essentially these book burnings, but they can't burn yeah. books anymore because they're digital, so they just ban them. It's just like, yeah. folks, you know, you know society, Western society has been here before, and it, the story doesn't end well. It's such a small group of people. That's, you know, right-wing commentator and dickless wonder Matt Walsh tweeted about uh, his movement. We can't boycott every woke company, but we can pick one. It hardly matters which and target it with ruthless boycott campaign, claim one scalp, and then move on to the next. Uh, first of all, I don't. I don't even want to say about a person like this. He's the one that always attacks trans people. He's really quite me- like. I don't even know what to say about him. The less said, the better. Anyway, it, it's it's a very strange thing. It's so few people are involved in this, and it's something you talk about a lot, which is the, you know, the intolerant minority, and not even just a, min- a minority of the minority is doing this. And that's what you have to keep in mind. Most people sort of shrug their shoulders. There was a great video of, a, of I think it was a Target employee, and she's like, there's nothing wrong with this pride stuff. Like, she was handling it well, like, and she was sort of perplexed. And this guy was being aggressive at her, and like, this is, you know, pedo and grooming and all this stuff. And she handled it beautifully, but was completely like, can I help you with something? Do you want to buy something? Please leave me alone. That kind of stuff. So it's weird. It's just most people are like, what are you talking about, you stupid person kind of stuff? Well, I think and I think it's a lesson for both sides because, I mean, at Netflix, when people were upset about what Dave Chappelle was saying, mm-hmm. Ted Sarandos came out and said, um, words are not violence. If if this offends you and pushing the boundaries, letting comics push the boundaries of, of saying uncomfortable things is offends you, you shouldn't work here. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that at the same time, school districts 
And the Sea of Target needs to say, if this offends you, you shouldn't shop here. <laughs> so it, there's it, there's more of it from the far right, but some just to be fair, some of those dangerous things no, around. Come on, Scott, you're doing it again. It's so it's all from the right right now against trans people, against gay people, against black people. This is not you're not seeing the left wing person march into a. Chick-fil-A and saying, you're all too religious. You don't see it. It doesn't happen. It, or, or let's have legislation against, you know, the people of Hobby Law. It's just not happening. Let me let me, let me me be clear. It's, it's much more dangerous. It's much more cruel from the right. But there is still an emerging narrative and a temptation on both sides of the polls to try and shame people and deny them of their right to catalyze a conversation when you don't agree with them. And, and that if you don't adopt the narrative— that you are a bad person and someone that is dangerous. That happens from both sides, Kara. Yes, but it, in, on one side, it is just words, the, uh, as you say, and the other, it's action. It's actual action. That's true. On the far left, they're not passing legislation. Yeah, I agree. There, there, it's just there's a very big difference here, and and they've they've gotten taken physically You're taken. You're doing it out. again. You're doing it again. You both sides. I'm calling Christiane Amanpour so we can discuss this because she said both sidesism is not neutral. You know, ever since you got your doctorate, you're, you're unbearable. That's Doctor Swisher to you, and the doctor is in and declaring you sick in the head. Anyway, uh, it's it, 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 this is going to go on because this this is how they operate on the fringes and into the middle, trying to uh, cause us all so much divisiveness. And let me just say, Amanda Gorman, your poem was beautiful and deserves widespread reading. It probably will sell a lot more copies because these imbeciles uh, target it. Anyway, in tech news, Meta will sell Giphy. This is interesting to Shutterstock for $53 million. That's the first time it had to sell off an asset because of antitrust uh, regulations. It originally bought it for $300 million, was ordered by UK competition authorities to divest. They'd fought it for a bit. You know, I don't, I guess it's not working for them. Uh, and, and they had to divest it anyway in this year of efficiency and begin another round of layoffs Wednesday, by the way, targeting 10,000 business employees. Lost a lot of money here. Well, that's the way it goes. I, I, you know, I think they probably were like, oh, oh, well, let's just move along. Yeah. This is, you know, okay. We bought something. It didn't work. It's an easy give. Um, it's not, I mean, I was never entirely sure, I guess the, the, I'm trying to go back to the original justification for purchasing it for half a billion bucks, that if you have an attribute. Explain what Giphy is for people, so they don't know. Well, it's, it's, essentially it creates, it's those wonderful little videos or memes that you can insert into a, a tweet or a piece of online content. But it's a way of differentiating a piece of content, and it's really fun, and it's really interesting. And if you type in Kara Swisher commencement speech, I don't know what mm -hmm. you get. <laughs> that would be interesting. <laughs> nothing, nothing. It doesn't show up on Twitter, FYI. Um, but go ahead. But the, 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 I guess the idea was if we go vertical and we own this media company that gives uh, differentiates our content versus content posted on another platform – but I guess they were never able to justify or they were worried about raising any trust flags if they didn't let people post use Giphy for other platforms. Because my understanding is I can go on Giphy and post it on other platforms. So, but yeah, 90% to client destruction and value. Good for, I mean, the good employees at Giphy built something really cool and they mm -hmm. had Facebook shareholders overpay for it by 10x. 
Yeah, and there we have it. And then move along. Uh, it's probably fine at Shutterstock. Those things are, I use them all the time. I like them. You love them. You went on a giffy orgy this morning with your review of the DeSantis thing, which we'll come back to. I thought it was a pretty good review. That was a pretty good say so yourself? assessment. If I say pretty so, good. it was very doctoral. I'm thinking of, of changing it to a doctorate uh, on, on fuck-ups. We'll talk about that in a minute. Jack Sweeney, the man who ran a Twitter account tracking Elon Musk's private jet, is now focused on Governor Ron DeSantis's move. He, Ron DeSantis uses a lot of people's private planes, by the way. Users can now follow the flight paths of DeSantis's private plane on DeSantis Jet on Twitter. The account displays public flight data with a 24-hour delay. That keeps it in line with Twitter's rules. Last December, Twitter banned the Elon Jet account for posting coordinates in near real time. This may be the only way that voters see the governor's travel. Earlier this month, DeSantis signed a law protecting travel records of state leaders from public disclosure. How ridiculous. Democrats have criticized the bill. Everybody should, saying it doesn't allow for transparency and allows donors to have secret influence ahead of a presidential campaign. I that law really perplexed me. Whether or not some of these travels should be public, if taxpayers are paying in a lot of places, uh, the governor uses private jets um, and it turns, turns it into a Clarence Thomas situation. So what do you think about that? I think I think you need to separate. I think if you're flying, if you're using public transportation that's taxpayer funded, there should be a, a different set of transparency requirements than if you're a private individual flying your own plane. And the, the, where I do have sympathy for Elon. But if he's using rich people's planes and they're, they're like in-kind donations to go to campaign events, that's well, kind the, of Yeah, it, it, then the, the, my understanding is the laws that you have to, or it used to be, you had to document that donation as a campaign contribution, and then it becomes public domain. Where I'm headed is, I'm not sure we should be allowed to track people by their license plate if you the mm-hmm. tolls people pay tolls on highways that's yeah. technically somewhere someone could probably reverse engineer it and find your traffic if you if you can track someone's plane shouldn't you be able to track them in their car yeah so uh, yeah. i don't i'm not sure you should be able to track someone by plane uh, 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 the head of the finance department at NYU Stern mm-hmm. who's brilliant his name's mm-hmm. David Yermak and he did this fantastic research 10, 15 years ago mm-hmm. where because it's public information, he was tracking the tail oh, numbers of this, CEOs. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And he found that when CEOs were traveling to a vacation spot the day after their earnings and you could see where they were planning to go with the flight manifest, it meant that yeah. the earnings were going to be positive. <laughs> oh, wow. Because if a guy's headed to Anguilla the day after his earnings, it means Yay. he's about good to times. post good numbers. Yeah. And it was just such amazing research. But hmm. anyways, reverse engineering it to here, I, I, I don't know if that should be public domain if you're a private citizen flying if your private, plane. I, I, I get your point. I see your point there. I do. I, I think it's people are going to do this anyway, and this is sort of stunty and pranky at rich people. It could be dangerous, but if it's 24 hours, I don't care if it's 24 hours. Um, they feel it's like reporters digging up. He flew here and then flew there. Um, but but people people that are public servants really do need to say where yeah, they agree. get their private planes from. That's It seems like more most people would be like, Yeah, um, and we get yes. to say Elizabeth Warren while she you know, yeah. engages in class warfare is using private jets to get places. Yeah. I think that's, that's yeah. fun. I think that should yeah. be open, yeah. open yeah. season. Yeah, absolutely. And it often is, is, is an attack vector. But uh, in this case, uh, uh, Ron, just, ugh, you're such a chode. Anyway, uh, and speaking of a chode, let's get to our first big story. On Wednesday, Governor Ron DeSantis officially kicked off his campaign for the presidency in a Twitter space with Elon Musk. 
But like a SpaceX rocket launch, things didn't go quite as planned, failure to launch. The event started late, had technical difficulties, and drew fewer than 600,000 listeners for crashing completely. It relaunched a few minutes later and had several different problems. People kept getting thrown off and this and that. Ran for about an hour, but didn't ever regain its full audience. People are put it, pegging it a 150 to 200,000 maybe um, at, at concurrent users. And and of course, the Twitter people are like, oh, there's millions, but they're trying to do it over time. Twitter users called the event uh, a disaster. Get it, DeSantis. So did mm-hmm. Trump and others. And everyone took advantage of it. Trump had funny tweets. Biden had funny tweets. John Stewart had funny tweets. Musk backer Jason Calacanis said it was a DDoS attack, maybe. And no evidence, just made it up. Um, they made up a lot of things saying this was the biggest online event. And then everyone posted what the actual biggest online events, um, live events were. BuzzFeed's exploding watermelon in 2016 attracted more than double. And Travis Scott's Fortnite concert was 12 million. Like some, So there's lots and lots of other things that have been successful. Uh, he, he would have been better doing an event that everybody covered and then going on Fox. Uh, it was tiny, tiny, tiny audience uh, for this thing and also audio disaster. So any thoughts? I do have thoughts, but I want you to go mm-hmm. first here because you wrote what I thought was a really interesting tweet storm. Mm-hmm. I want your take and then I'll I'll respond. Well, let me go over it very quickly. I was reacting to something uh, uh, Linda Yaccarino wrote, which uh, she talked about as a, a rare Let me and guess, she thought it was a success. I'm just yes, going to go out did. on a limb she here. She didn't mention <laughs> any of the problems. You know, she said things like, you know, kind of empty words, freedom of speech is priceless. No one doesn't have freedom of speech here. Rare and unscripted conversation. It was completely scripted. But, you know, she liked it. She's she's going to be CEO there. I think if you got her with a whiskey, she wouldn't say that. Um, and I made the point that if she was running NBC at the time and the cameras fell off, uh, she'd be apologizing and giving givebacks to advertisers right away. <laughs> like, she'd be wondering, like, what the fuck happened here? That's the kind of person she was. And not pretending it was it was anything else. She has to do that, right? So, But she definitely would be the one calming down advertisers and, and not using her credibility to not be honest about this business performance because they're trying to become a media company, right? This company's trying to become a media company and it was a fuck up. That's just what it was. And it also took the attention away from DeSantis because the medium was the message, right? This medium doesn't work. When they did get down to it, uh, David Sachs, who was the moderator, called him a junior varsity moderator. And Elon talked more about themselves and not DeSantis. And he was sort of, it was like a bad I think Joe Rogan's very talented and it's very entertaining. This was like Joe Rogan on a really bad night. Mm-hmm. Then they kept attacking the press. That's their favorite thing. They seem, they seem obsessed with calling us irrelevant and then never stopping to talk about the media, which is weird. I like unscripted conversations. I like when they're like people get to talk. I, I had a Twitter spaces. Mine always had glitch problems and they were very small in comparison. And it wasn't that much smaller than this, actually. You know, when we did, when this stuff happens, it's not good. I was comparing it to my Mark Zuckerberg interview uh, with Walt where he sweat. That wasn't a good interview. He sweat. It was bad. It didn't say anything. It had no insight. It was just hmm. sad. Okay, he, he gets nervous, I, I suppose. But he went on to build the biggest company ever. So, so what? If they really want to do media and they don't have to be reporters, they have to do a better job. They have to be prepared. The tech has to work and they have to stop like saying everything was great. First off, I'd like to announce that I'm running for uh, the open Senate seat of Florida and I'm using the premier technology escalator. I'm going to come down an escalator or I'm going to launch it on Foursquare. 
and uh, a dozen people showed up and crashed the site. Look, the, the bottom line is this was really bad for the governor because one, anytime you get anywhere near Elon Musk, he yeah. thinks he's God and he the first 30 minutes, any question he would turn to himself and talk about Twitter. Yeah. In addition, it was bad for Musk because do you really want to get in a car Mm -hmm. uh, from the guy who brings you, I can't host a podcast. Yeah. The technology glitches here. And it, it was the worst of both worlds. They tried to pretend it was unscripted. It clearly wasn't. They had the governor. No. They had a, didn't a, say like, anything good. They had a series of bait questions from people, including someone who's supposedly going to be a possible VP candidate. And mm -hmm. it, it, the story today isn't about any th the themes he talked about. It isn't about him. The story today is just about what a fuck up it was. Mm -hmm. And the thing about Governor DeSantis and his office is to date, they have been very disciplined about message. Well, not and, today. Since this presidential campaign, I think they've fucked up with the Disney thing. They've done a series of fuck ups. He's but very, but he's been, his comms group, I don't, I don't yeah. agree with the message, but they've been very disciplined around around kind of format and venue. Uh, mm -hmm. The it, it was such a missed opportunity because the reality is, and, and we, we don't like to say this on the left, Florida is an enormous success story. And it, it, if he'd gone to Tampa, St. Pete, when you go to cities in Florida right now, you're surprised at the upside. Mm -hmm. You go to Tampa, St. Pete, and you go to the Dolly Museum, and you're like, Jesus, this is a great city. You go to Orlando, you see the economic vibrancy. You mm -hmm. go to Miami with even some of the, the impact problems it has. It's still the coolest city in Latin America, and it happens to be in mm -hmm. um, in America. I mean, Florida is – there's just no getting around it. Yeah, I don't know why he didn't focus on that. It's a I success just... story. He should have done an Amy Klobuchar-like announcement that was very kind of – very Florida. He should have done it from a great – success story mm -hmm. in Florida. And he has a lot to work with. And the reason why he's going to be a formidable candidate is there's just no getting around it. Florida's doing really well on most dimensions. Now, in terms of social Except justice- for the book banning, but go ahead. Thank you for that, Dr. Swisher. Anytime. For people on the ground and living in Florida, they're like, I'm getting a great value here. I have a nice quality of life. Uh, I have low crime. I have good schools. And by the way, I pay no state taxes. You know, that's- mm -hmm. That's just a winning value proposition. But instead of focusing on his assets, he travels to Elon Musk on a platform that breaks down. I mean, that's mm -hmm. the story today was everything that yeah. went wrong. So this was yeah. this was a real misstep because he does have a lot to work with. Uh, well, it, and he it's didn't amazing. use any of it. I'm not so sure. It, it's, there's a lot of problems in Florida, but, by the way. And there's been lots of documentations. But fine. It's fine. It's a very vibrant state. So are many states. Um, but he does. He should be leaning into his strengths. No question. He cannot help. Uh, you know, I think he's probably doing this so he can suck up to him and get money from donors, you know, like Elon and his whole group of people around him. That's would be my assumption. Um, suck being a lapdog to a billionaire is not a great look for someone who's supposed to be strong. I think he's been messing up a lot with the Disney thing. Um, yeah, error, unforced error. This was yeah. unforced error. And it gives people like Trump, who is so skilled at this, so skilled at these kind of, he had stuff out immediately and it was funny. 
You know what I mean? It was well done. And it was a good like slap, slap a do on this guy. And he can continue. And now they've got a new name, Disaster, right? They've got a new, he finally found it wasn't Meatball Ron. It wasn't Dissanctimonious. It's Disaster. And so he was doing all this talking about, they weren't challenging him. And then we had to hear what David Sachs and Elon Musk think about things. Uh, I really, they need to stop talking, those two. Agreed. But this is the governor's shot and his opportunity. Mm -hmm. And that is- right. We consistently overestimate ideological issues and social issues impact on people when they go in the voting booth, and we underestimate mm -hmm. quality of life issues. Mm -hmm. And there's just a large swath of Americans that will vote for whoever they think is yeah. going to put more money in their That's pockets. That's correct. And then, That's... I don't know if you remember, remember Mayor Frank Jordan? Remember him? Yeah. Oh. In San Francisco? Gosh. Yeah. Rudy Giuliani, deep, yeah. you know, incandescent blue mm -hmm. cities. And once every 20 or 30 years, Mm -hmm. The quality of life gets so bad that yep. when they vote a quote unquote right. inequality of life person, there mm -hmm. are a lot of states and cities that post COVID, mm -hmm. the quality of life has taken a big hit. And that's what the governor should be focusing on. Don't know why he's not. Why is he hanging out with Elon? What's good? What, well, what? you know, Elon does get Elon. Look, he's he's he probably thought we we're going to get so much attention. It's a new medium. For Elon. We'll For be Elon. Seen, agreed. But you can see you can see why they thought I this don't. would be a good idea. The execution here was abysmal. I mean, it did, yeah. it sounded like a podcast in 2012 where they said, "We're yeah. going to try this new thing called podcasting. Bear with yeah. us." Yeah, yeah. Uh, but I think when you stand next to Elon, no one's looking at you. They're looking at this. He's a black hole of attention. Attention, exactly. One of the things that's interesting is right-wing personalities, of course, of course. And then it was sad when they're trying to say it was good. Just say it was bad. Just please stop. And then they were all hurt about it. Like, oh, the media is going crazy. We're like, no, nah, we're just pointing out you suck. Right-wing personalities are going all in on Twitter. This week, The Daily Wire announced it will upload full episodes of his podcast to Twitter, which Elon was asking them to do. Tucker Carlson still plans to host his show. He reportedly is rebuilding his home studio after Fox News repossessed the set and equipment. <laughs> God, it costs them more to go get it than the stuff costs. Oh, God. You know, there's a lot of right-wing creators going there, but... Its brand reputation just took a massive hit. It's right now the Axios Harris brand reputation poll that poll found that Twitter placed 97th out of 100 companies. I don't know what the last three were, but even though the world's biggest ad agency said it no longer considers Twitter to be a quote high risk platform for advertisers, but that's just because they're giving Linda a chance. Like the, the the whole announcement, it was a really good idea. It could have been a win for both of them if it had been well produced. This was a good idea for Twitter. It was a good idea for DeSantis. The execution was, I, I would be furious if I were the DeSantis folks, and I, I would be enraged are. if I were Musk. Mm -hmm. He looks, wait, you want me? I'm sorry, you're trying to create autonomous driving technology and you can't do a fucking podcast? Yeah. Yeah. So apparently there wasn't. I, I'm excited to hear read the reporting out of this. Apparently there wasn't much planning. I just I can tell you when they had lots of people, it was always glitchy. Like what? Hello? What? Hang up. Rehang up. You've been on those things with me okay. when I did. Them. There was two hundred thousand people supposedly that listened to it that mm -hmm. were st stuck around for the twenty minutes. Mm -hmm. What you and I are doing right now will have more people listen. Yeah, Ron, come on our show. <laughs> so. The DeSantis announcement gets fewer people than than the announcement of Kara Swisher's doctorate. Yes, yes, he should have partnered. 
They should have partnered with news outlets. Just their their constant vituperative hatred of the media, and of course that means they're obsessed with the media, uh, is really getting in their way. Just build something good. Just build a good product. And in contrast to that, as much yeah. as this was a disaster for mm-hmm. for DeSantis, you know, it was mm-hmm. a victory. Was mm-hmm. um, Trump on CNN? He just yeah. owned them. He just mm-hmm. owned them, and it was. I hate to say it, it was really... He's the OG. He's he the was, OG on that stuff. He honestly. just totally manipulated the medium. And and by the way, they had an intelligent person trying their best to fact yep. check a serial liar. They filled the audience with sycophants. And this was just, uh, it was just, okay, this is a shit show. 1984 yeah. called and wants its technology back. Honestly, someone tweeted that DeSantis is hoping, waiting around the basket, that Trump goes to jail. That's what would be his end, right? But I think Trump could beat him from jail easily. From jail? With his hands tied, by, <laughs> shackled behind his back. I, I actually think the governor is a more formidable candidate than people are saying right now. Mm-hmm. I used to think, we'll I was thinking maybe he's done. Mm-hmm. I actually think he's got a lot a lot yeah, of talking right, points Mr. Uh, Mr. Pretty... Beto O'Rourke's boyfriend. Okay, we'll see how that works out. Oh, I do not. Hello, Dreamy. I think <laughs> yes, hello, Dreamy. I, I was a, that was a nice pick. And then who'd you pick after that? And who did Kara pick the whole time? Biden. You did pick Thank Biden. Thank you. Yeah, I think he's. You know. I'm. We're going to take a break. You think he's more formidable? I think he's a char. He makes Nixon look charming. That's uh, hard. He's very wooden. I think he's charmless. He looks like he has no friends. He's Mister Straightjacket. He literally looks like he has no friends. Like speaking of men, friends, he has no friends at all. Like <laughs> no that's friends. it. No friends, like, and why? Would, and he looks uninterested in people. Like, he doesn't like people. And I'm sorry, yeah, you're not no, being not. president if you don't like no. people. And uh, technocrats are fine. Just go run a state. That's great. Okay, I just let's have him and Kamala Harris on the same ticket, and we'll call it "Brightens Up a Room by Leaving a Ticket." I don't know. You can do better, Republicans. Honestly, honestly. Anyway, let's go on a quick break. When we come back. We'll talk about the Surgeon General's new warning and take a listener question about HBO's latest streaming rebrand. With Scott has a lot to say about. Support for this podcast comes from Constant Contact. If you're a business owner, you already know that it's really, really hard to cut through the noise of everyday life. If you want to connect with your customers, you need to break through the noise. You need Constant Contact. Constant Contact is a marketing platform that makes it easy to reach new audiences, grow your customer list, and connect over email, text, social media, and more. Whether you're a marketing guru or just learning the ropes, Constant Contact offers writing assistance tools and automation features that make it simple to say the right thing at the right time. So get going and start growing your business today with a free trial at ConstantContact.com. Just go to ConstantContact.com right now. Constant Contact, helping the small stand tall. ConstantContact.com. Support for this show comes from Slack. You're a growing business and you can't afford to slow down. If anything, you could probably use a few more hours in the day. That's why the most successful growing businesses are working together in Slack. Slack is where work happens with all your people, data, and information in one AI-powered place. Start a call instantly in huddles and ditch cumbersome calendar invites. Or build an automation with Workflow Builder to take routine tasks off your plate. No coding required. Grow your business in Slack. Visit slack.com to get started. (laughs) 
Scott, we're back with our second big story. The Surgeon General says that social media may pose risk to young users. You're kidding. In a new report, Dr. Vivek Murthy says that, quote, there are ample indicators that social media can have a profound risk of harm to the mental health and well-being of children and adolescents. The report calls on tech companies to enforce age restriction and create strict default settings for young users around privacy and safety. It also calls on governments to create health and safety standards for tech platforms. Uh, however, the report didn't condemn social media use for all young people, but it did, and it didn't define what healthy social media would look like. I think a lot of people who've been in this for a while were, were a little bit underwhelmed, but it was long in the making. Um, we talked to the Surgeon General on this topic in March of last year. Scott asked him about age gating specifically. Here's what he said. Part of the challenge we have, though, Scott, and you're getting at the heart of it with your question, is that we actually need data to understand the impact on children. Right? We have some data. We have alarming rates of depression and anxiety that have increased in our kids. We have uh, clear evidence, uh, in fact, that the suicide rate uh, has increased significantly in the 10 years prior to the pandemic uh, in young people. Uh, we have record numbers of young people who are saying they feel persistent feelings of hopelessness uh, and sadness. We know that things are getting worse for our kids. Uh, he stopped short of calling for age. He, he said a lot of words, not age gating. The surgeon, you, which you asked him specifically about, the Surgeon General has the power to recommend but not enforce, I guess. I think a lot of people felt he could have been stronger, I guess. Um, Facebook responded they had already done some of the things he suggested, like automatically setting accounts to private if a user is under 16. Um, your your thoughts on this? I think Surgeon General Vivek Murthy is already the most significant Surgeon General we've had in decades. All right. Yeah, uh, tax companies, and, and usually the Surgeon General doesn't doesn't mm-hmm. do that. Well, cigarette. He is attacking probably, in my estimation, what is the the most dangerous omission of our time, and that is rage and loneliness from these companies. That if you read the actual report, it is steeped in rigor and research. Uh, I know this personally. I mean, I'm I'm low on the totem pole of experts around mm-hmm. this stuff. He called me his him and his team called me several mm-hmm. times to try and really get to the heart of these issues. Several of my colleagues have been contacted by him. He is a he is a serious person doing serious work. He talks a lot about his own struggles with loneliness mm-hmm. as a young man. He's a father, mm-hmm. and it's all steeped in and academia and his his experience as a doctor. This is someone who is doing exactly what he is supposed to be doing. He is trying to prevent a tragedy that comes. He's raising the he's raising the thing. Your friend Jonathan Haidt did not think it was enough for sure. Uh, others did. You know what I mean? Like they wanted an even stronger thing, uh, cigarette level, I guess. And I get that. Yeah, but he doesn't have that authority. He is, he has the public the public forum. Yeah, and, and what what Surgeon General has raised an issue has gotten more attention around an issue of more importance in the last 40 years. Okay. No, I'm just telling you a lot it's, of people. It's largely it. a symbolic position where they stand behind yeah. the president when they're when they're actually doing things. In the outfit. In their outfit. Yeah. And then they go on to sell life alert. I mean, it's just this has been a position he is hands down um addressing an issue that is difficult. He's doing it with rigor. Mm-hmm. And I, I also think loneliness with AI Mm-hmm. People are going to start withdrawing even further, especially young men. Yeah. And to what to what your son's comments were about, and he's directly saying, "Well, I've already parroted one of his lines. He gave me the line: people are mistaking friends for friendship." Mm-hmm. And he yeah. talks about the need for for um, uh, third places where we make investments in things like parks and leagues and bring people back together. And the thing I like about him is that he does stuff with grace and he errs on the side. He He's a classy doctor like myself. He never makes personal attacks. 
<laughs> he never, you know, tries to inflame the other side. He's just like science. No, he's a very measured science focused. But he's he's sincere. He is seen as a good actor that's earnest that is trying to protect the well-being of our children. And increase. I think he should do this all the time and be very firm about it. I just feel like you've got to really lean into this in a heavy. If it's going to be like cigarettes, you're going to do the age gating and, and being a leader. You can still be a leader even if you don't have enforcement. Real, a bit like press, 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 and, and a little less nice. Like, look, people, that kind of stuff. We'll see where it goes. He, he, he always does try to tend to find the middle. He seems like that kind of person. But in this case, he could, I think he could have even more impact if he was highly specific and really weighted in there, even if it's not his to wade into. Um, and this age gating has a lot of, a lot of issues. It, it, it's nuanced and you could, they could have more data about our kids, their IDs, birth certificates. Um, it's different than say porn or, or cigarettes because that's a physical thing. Kids go in and buy cigarettes. This is information, digital information online using a digital product. So speaking of regulating social media, TikTok is suing Montana, not a surprise. We said they probably would, uh, violating the First Amendment. So are a bunch of TikTok users. First Amendment, Montana's going to lose. No proof. They shouldn't be here, as we said. But the problem for TikTok is there was a report in the Times this week says that TikTok user data is regularly shared in Slack-like tool that employees use to address user complaints. The data can include a user's driver's license and accessible to employees in China. This is the issue. Even if they're not malevolent, it seeps right through. Yeah, but you said it. it this creates... This creates unnecessary momentum for TikTok because mm -hmm. people are busy and all they'll see is that the Supreme Court or a, a court, not the Supreme Court, mm -hmm. the court overturned the decision to ban TikTok. Mm -hmm. And people say, oh, it's it's illegal. They shouldn't do it. And no, yeah. they'll decide that a state can't overturn overturn a ban on on media, that that's a yep. bad idea. So this was... This was an unforced error, a purely political move by someone who should be an operator, the governor of Montana. Yeah. But TikTok, and I mean, it's and I'm it's already happening. I think Senator Warren's uh, Warner's Restrict Act made a lot of sense. They they were good actors here, and I'm worried it's losing momentum. TikTok is going to the tried and true playbook, and that is just wait them out. We're like a yeah. cat. The public yeah. and our elected officials are like a cat chasing a dot, and it's just like yeah. wear them out. And then they'll need a nap. And then have some dumb person like the governor of Montana do something. So yes. Don't, yep. uh, let me just reiterate. <sighs> TikTok is a, a, a national security threat. It mm, is the ultimate agree. propaganda tool. The people running agree. TikTok in the United States deserve to be really wealthy. They're good people who've met an amazing, who have who have built an amazing product. There is no sunlight between a Chinese company and the CCP, and the CCP is now running the largest streaming network that is bigger than all other streaming networks combined for people under the age of 25. And every day, our next generation of military, civic, nonprofit, and business leaders are gonna feel a little shittier about America because the CCP has its thumb on any scale around content reaching our young people. It absolutely needs to be banned or spun. And we get, we can't let up here. We can't move on to Exactement. the next thing. Exactement, as I like to say. Exactement. <laughs> I'm also a French doctor. Anyway, let us uh, pivot to a listener question just in your wheelhouse, Scott Galloway. You've got, you've got. I can't believe I'm going to be a mailman. You, you, you've got mail. Hi, this is Emily from Phoenix, Arizona. I just wanted to hear Kara and Scott's take on HBO Max transforming its brand to just Max. My friends and I are um, making fun of this relentlessly and also just scratching our heads because the HBO brand is 
in our opinion, uh, one of the best out there is, is certainly as far as um, television goes. So changing it to Max just seems very bizarre, and it kind of seems like what's the what's the reason for that, and are they the stupidest company ever? So thank you so much. Appreciate it. Oh, I'm going to let you go on, but I have to say I was at CNN uh, this week because of uh, the DeSantis stuff. Uh, um, I saw the Max thing, and it doesn't look good. It's, they, they, cha- they took out all the stuff, and there's these big Max things everywhere. And I brought you stickers, Max stickers they had lying around. It's jarring when you see it, I have to say. And it's not jarring in a good way, like, ooh, attractive. It's, ooh, unattractive. And I actually, I, I, everybody thought that in the, in the lobby. Everyone was like, no. This is not, this is not pleasing to me. Um, and again, there's the Skinamax thing that we like to talk about mm-hmm. and HBO is great. And I love that someone from Phoenix is like, are they the stupidest company? I love that these people are sitting around thinking about it. But, uh, your thoughts, Scott, you have a lot of them. Well, I, I started a brand strategy firm. I've taught brand strategy for 20 years. It, 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 it's hard to think of a stupider move. I, Brands like this take decades to build, and I have a I have a real bias here because some of the most moving moments I think in the history of television, whether it's the Prince of Dorne saying "I will be your champion" to Tyrion Lannister, mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. the mother in Six Feet Under looking at the photos of her family and break you know mm-hmm. and sobbing. I, I just think HBO has is literally one of the core associations of a brand built over decades. Is we have assembled a culture of creativity that is fearless in storytelling and moves people and creates it is it is if you were to try and embody the zeitgeist of america cultural america over the last 40 years somewhere in that word cloud would be the letters h b and o and you're going to turn that into max and the only yeah. reason they can come up with is people are confused we need something that's more literal that it explains what this and actually HBO, is hbo we shouldn't lead with hbo we have so many other things well, right okay that's so are people going to mistake the sopranos for a, a show about singers so we're going to turn it into the big mafia show i mean mm-hmm. it's just this is Matsushita is going to turn their brand name to shit. Yeah, I had Vox, Ox. <laughs> Vox is Ox. I went crazy last night. You did. You went. You looked like you were like doing edibles and thinking up names. And I'm sure people will get used to it, but it's not a happy brand transition, right? When remember when Airbnb did that thing and everyone thought it looked like a vagina. I don't, I don't remember that. Yeah. Could go away, I guess, and you just get used to staring at the vagina. But this is companies and organizations mm-hmm. pray. That yeah. over several generations, they can build intangible associations of this quality and this depth. So how did it happen? How did it happen? I, I have a feeling that David Zazzo's like, well, we're Discovery. Why is, Matt, why is HBO there? I can, I can see it coming right I from think the it's, top. I think it's the majority of bad decisions in corporate America are made by mm-hmm. guys in, in midlife crisis and it's ego. And this guy yeah. comes from the Discovery side of the house. And thought yeah, that Discovery was, was an amazing brand. And if I'm going to give up Discovery and we want something new, and not only that, we need something new that I'm the CEO of. I don't think he wants yeah. to give any credit mm-hmm. to the guys. I mean, Wells Fargo was bought by Norwest, a boring mortgage company in Minneapolis. But they were smart mm-hmm. enough to know if we're going to pay this kind of money, we need to go with the right brand. And they change it to Wells Fargo, right? Dayton Hudson mm-hmm. had this little growth company called Target. And they said, you know what? Mm-hmm. Our kid is now bigger and stronger than we are. We're going to call... The whole yeah. company, the Tar- whole company target. This people don't make dumb moves like this. They go, these so, things are incredibly hard to build. Why? Where do you think it's gonna go? Will it matter? We'll just like hate it, just get used to it and hate it. A lot of people feel it looks like the branding the the fonts look like women know this looks like maxi pads ads, but go ahead. 
it'll be seen as an example of where David Zasloff screwed up. The whole industry is under attack right now. So consolidation, mm -hmm. you can understand the strategy operationally around trying I to bring it up. I can see the beginning of this conversation. I think he probably dominated it and everyone shut and up. he decided, room. he made this, mm -hmm. I'll bet you anything he made this decision because any yes, consultant, 100%. any consultant, anyone in the marketing department with an IQ over 80 said, shouldn't we think about it being HBO if we're only gonna pick one brand? Shouldn't we go with the yeah. brand that means yeah. quality and great yeah. storytelling and then the ability to capture the moment? Instead, we're gonna call it Max. I mean, You know what they should have called it? Zazz. Zazz. <laughs> Zazz ants. <laughs> There's a song, a little bit of Zazz. Yeah, this <laughs> is just literally every brand strategist. My, my mentor who taught me everything I know about brand strategy, yeah. David Ocker, is literally yeah. just sitting there with his head in his hands. Yeah, yeah. But when Dot, Dotson became Nissan, that made mm -hmm. absolutely no sense. But you're used to it. You're, does, it does it ultimately, you're a brand person, ultimately people get used to it, right? They'll be like, oh, it's Max, right? Yeah, but it's like ultimately they get used to a, a shittier product. I mean, it's just, this is, he basically took HBO, if you had $10 billion yeah. and you tried to recreate a brand like HBO, you probably yeah. couldn't do it. It'd be one in 10 chance you could do it. So yeah. he's taken tens of billions of dollars or at least billions in equity and he's taken it into the street and created and a fire it. to warm his ego Yeah, because oh, nice. he didn't Ooh, invent well HBO. Said. He invented something yeah. else. This is whenever you can always really brain dead moves yeah. can always be reverse Thanks. engineered to a guy yeah. in his 50s or his 60s who yeah. is making a decision from ego, not from business or shareholder yeah. value. This yeah. is this is one of those moves. This is mm -hmm. one of those decisions where I actually think and a board should not dictate strategy. They should, generally speaking, not get involved in operations. But someone on the board who actually understands branding and said, assets what the fuck? Stop should it. say, you're taking billions of dollars and you're yeah. emulating it. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. what are you doing? And Disney would never do this, you know. They would, and by the way, they have a name, Marvel. If you change theirs to Marvel, you'd be that was going to be the name of the of MSN back in the day, by the way. But they have names that would be good too, but they would never do this. Like Marvel's a good name for something like this. No, they they they, they, they understand brand. And, they wouldn't, and they wouldn't have a new CEO who came in from Lucasfilm and go, "We're going to call it THX or something." They would just never yeah. do that. No, but this yeah. is this will go down as one of the great brand disasters. You know, Discovery would have been a better name than Max. Honestly, Agreed. there's yeah, Agreed. I don't know. Anyway, except Discovery, you think of Guy Fieri. That's pretty much what you think about. Is that right? I think of sharks. You think of sharks. Um, anyway. I just want to do give. I do want to yeah. give David Zaslav some credit. I think he right. is really helping Talented. the mental health of Americans because what he's saying to every American is, "I'm not, you know, you're not the only one that makes really expensive mistakes." Yes, you you're not and the only Elon one. My, Musk. We've seen my that. Favorite this also. Week. <laughs> they already realized yeah. they fucked up. They posted yeah. on Twitter and Instagram a big logo yeah. that says "Introducing Max," and then right below it it says. The one to watch for HBO. <laughs> it's like they've <laughs> also, already realized creators, they fucked up. Creators are getting mad too because of the way they're phrasing it and stuff like that. They're put, they're changing different things. There's a whole controversy around that. Maybe we'll talk about it next Just, week. You know, e even Amanda was like, she turned it on and it defended her. She was watching, um, Succession, episode nine. And she's like, I was just offended by the font. You know what I mean? Like, I don't want that. What, I want HBO. What's funny? HBO. There'll be case studies written for decades, and not only around brand, but around culture. Yeah. HBO was a 120-pound you know, flyweight mm -hmm. that was beating 
Yeah. You know, Larry Holmes, they could take it. They were spending two or three billion a year while Netflix was spending 17. Yeah. And what are we yeah. talking about around the water yeah. cooler? We're talking about succession and Game of Thrones. Yeah. yeah. And do you know what HBO stands for? Of course, because my family was one of the home box companies. Office. Home box office. Yeah. And it was yeah, a self-expressive benefit. It. My dad used to brag. I remember at cocktail parties when my dad was trying to like sleep with all the other wives <laughs> uh, at the at the party. <laughs> He would say, "Oh, well, we only watch HBO." Like that made him a baller. That was his big. <laughs> that was his big thing. He didn't say home box office. No, well, at, at the Galloway household, we we only watch HBO, and it's oh, like, oh, no. yeah, that's gonna get her. <laughs> it used to just be movies. Yeah, it used to just be shitty movies when it started. I remember it because my they we went, had it on our cable. You don't remember? I love it. The Mind of the Married Man, and then the oh, Gary yeah, Shandling some, show. Yeah, Gary Shandling. They had some really oh, good stuff. God. They were like Hank? early Fox. Remember early Fox uh, Network? That kind of stuff. It was good. It was really good. Rest in peace, HBO. Rest in peace. Um, Let's change the it, name of our podcast to HBO. <laughs> that's what we should do. <laughs> God, that'd be good. Here we are, the doctors on HBO. Doctor HBO. Let's do yeah. that. The, the, the one thing that I have to say, Black Blue is wrong in several, is all the different HBO streaming services. HBO Go, HBO Now, HBO, HBO Joey Max. Bag of Donuts. Yeah, I know. They, they, HBO they Light. A, yeah, I used to call them a joke. I'm like, what's the name today? It was HBO really, Plus. Just, oh, plus. my God. The Max was a good name. Anyway, if you've got a question of <sighs> your own, that was a very good session there. If you got a David, call us. Call Scott and Kara. Do, the doctors are in. Anyway, if you've got a question of your own and like answered, send it our way and go to nymag.com to submit a question for the show or call 855-51-PIVOT. We love a voice question. Thank you, Emily from Phoenix, Arizona. Great question. All right, Scott, one more quick break. We'll be back for predictions. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Support for this show comes from the Harvard Business Review. You know, there's this idea in business that some people are born to be leaders. You either have it or you don't. But leadership, like any skill, can and should be learned over time. Whether you've climbed to the top of the corporate ladder or are just starting out, you'll find valuable insights at Harvard Business Review. Harvard Business Review is a leading destination for smart management thinking. And on their website, hbr.org, subscriptions are just $10 a month, which gives you unlimited access to the same level of expertise. Things like case studies, newsletters, podcasts, articles written by some of the world's top minds. I use HBR in my research when I do articles or when I'm thinking about what to talk about on Pivot. I find them really interesting. I find them complete. I find them different. And you can find all kinds of industries covered. While much of Harvard Business Review's content is available for free after signing up at their site, subscriptions to unlimited content start at only $10 a month. What a bargain. Go to hbr.org slash subscriptions and enter the promo code PIVOT right now to get 10% off your subscription. Again, save 10% off your HBR subscription. Go to hbr.org slash subscriptions and enter the promo code PIVOT. Okay, Scott, let's hear a prediction. You said you had one, you were saving it, or maybe you have a new one. My prediction is, after listening to the shit show last night that was the presidential announcement or the candidacy of, of Governor DeSantis, <laughs> and, and 
we're speaking on stage at Cannes, which I'm really excited yes, about. Yes, we are. And, and we need a Cannes. friend to pivot. I did ask Linda Yaccarino. Well, my <laughs> prediction is around be. Linda. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and just to ensure Linda does, I, I'm not sure Linda's going to come on stage with us now, but I don't think there was ever any chance she was going to come on stage. Yeah, I probably shouldn't, Linda, but you should. I, I will tell, and I'm committing to this, every yeah. CMO in the room, and this is really essentially, mm-hmm. you know, the, the can. Creativity Festival is kind of like a contest around, let's give awards to the advertising that sucks the least. Yeah. And let's, let's you know, we're, we're all pilots. But it's in France and there's right. rosé. We're all ahead. pilots on a 747 for Pan Am and we think we're important, but let's be honest, our days are numbered. And let's go to a party hosted by our executioners, Google and, and yeah, Meta on, on the, the beach. beach. On the beach. But what I will say to every CMO in the room, and we will get a ton of them, and I'm speaking in a couple places, mm-hmm. and I will repeat this. That the fastest way between a CMO and an unceremonious exit is to advertise on Twitter. This is an individual running this company who threatened to sue advertisers who left, that when an individual sells his stock, says he hates humanity, is subscale, clearly has all sorts of technology issues, but they want to get advertisers to advertise on Twitter. So if you're a CMO... Literally, on a risk-adjusted basis, the stupidest thing you can do, you would be better off uh, starting a meth addiction in terms of your own professional trajectory than advertising on Twitter. And this goes to my prediction. She is pushing a rock up a hill that is going to get bigger and heavier every day. She will be blamed for not restoring the ad revenue that he has uh, recklessly alienated. And mm-hmm. she will be, um, she will leave or be fired within twelve months. There, he oh, has, wow. he has. Nope. This is the mother of Linda, all. Linda, come on stage with us, yeah. please. <laughs> this <laughs> is the mother. Well, let me get this. Let me get this. <laughs> I might sue you if you advertise and then leave. I might threaten yeah. to sue you. I might yeah. say that you individually. I'm not scared to You're go woke, after people. Remember? Go Let's after people less powerful than me and use a hundred use the population of the UK and Germany mm-hmm. to to say that you're a sex criminal if you do something or I don't shrill. like or the shrill. Is shrill. But advertise with us mm-hmm. and she will be blamed for it. She will They're do, gonna give her a chance though. They like her. She's very well liked. She's ninety very yeah. And he's such a loyal guy. Yeah. She will be blamed for not yeah. accomplishing an impossible task. Mm-hmm. And that is to get people at, to advertise on something that was always subscale, but now it's subscale and toxic and dangerous for people's careers. Mm-hmm. And they will hold her responsible and she will leave. And it, attempting to be the- I'll tell you what's more important, Scott. The numbers aren't very good. The numbers aren't very good. Like, let's get away from wokeness and he's obnoxious. If it worked, they do it, right? The numbers aren't good. That's all. It, it's not an effective advertising platform. But that's where he will place the blame is on Linda Yaccarino. Yeah, he will. He won't say, Linda, I give you an impossible task. What can I do to be helpful? I'll tone it down. Yeah. L- yeah. What can I do to, to help score advertisers? He's just going to make her life no. impossible yep. and then hold her responsible yep. for what an awful job she has. Yeah. I would love to know what's going on inside her head. In addition, <laughs> she's not the CEO. She's the COO. Yeah. I'm going to handle product and strategy. She's going to handle business and revenue, meaning I need someone to blame. That's yeah. what he said. I need someone to I blame. Mean, she did walk into this, and I I think she thinks he's less terrible than he seems. Uh, she was um, smart to take the job. Even if yeah. it doesn't work out, no one yeah. – I didn't know who Linda Yaccarino was. I mean, mm-hmm. I run advertising for NBC Universal. Great. Is there anyone else here I can speak to? Yeah. Um, no. 
No, I get it. I, she she wanted to raise twelve her profile, months. And she Let's timestamp this. Right. Twelve months right. or 12 less. Twelve months. All right. Okay. She has we'll been see. literally. This is the mother of all. Let's pour honey on her and send her hunting for bears. <laughs> I mean, God. that's a visual. She's a tough lady. We'll see. But they didn't. They didn't do a good job for her. That's the platform I want to advertise on. They don't understand technology, and they might. They might humiliate <laughs> me in front of 120 million people. Yes, take my money. I wonder which presidential candidates will do it. They'll be like, no, I don't think so. I'll just go on Fox News. I think after seeing what happened, where the black hole of attention Elon Musk couldn't couldn't resist, the technology issues, all of the negative press they're getting, I mean, mm. th- people will go on the platform. Yeah. But they're not. I can't believe I said this in my long tweet storm was just hand it over to Tucker Carlson. He knows how to do media. He does. He puts on a good show. Even I hate the show. It's a good show. Several years ago, right when I was just getting into podcasting, I heard from Andrew Yang's people saying, Andrew mm-hmm. really wants to come on your show and yeah. talk about his candidacy oh, he'll go on. for he'll presidency. Go on. And I remember I wrote back and said, the fact that he wants to be on my podcast totally makes him an, an illegitimate candidate, in my view. <laughs> and, <laughs> and, and by the way, I got to know Andrew. In a and moment. We, and we become friends, and I think he's a, yeah. a good man, and I think he's had a positive impact on the world of politics. For the first time, people are actually considering some form of UBI. Yeah. I don't think the child tax credit would have gotten anywhere without him creating cloud cover around UBI. I think he's a good man. But yeah. I remember, you know, he was literally, um, you know, the medium, you, you summarized it perfect. The medium is the message here, and the medium yesterday was a fucking shit show. Shit show. And so yeah. the message. The message was, this sucks. The message was, was the message. this just doesn't work. This is America. Yeah. Yeah. And also, look at Elon over here. Anyway, uh, Do you Ron, have a prediction? I, I do not. You I do don't not? know. I, I do not. I do not have. Although, I was right about it being a shit show. I I, I forgot. I was I have another right one. Linda Yaccarino is going to come on the show. Huh? After she resigns. <laughs> After she and it's going to be a great show. Linda, we'll help you get a job. We know everybody. She's a talented woman. She's going to be fine. We will help you get a job. I'm already talking great. about her as if she's already been, <laughs> if she's, she's already left. Uh, we'll see. We'll see. As they say on Succession, it's a knife fight in the mud. Life is a knife fight in the mud. By the way, I'll have a prediction. The end of Succession is going to be a big viewership. It's- I can't handle it. It's too emotionally traumatic. I have two podcasts on it. That's how good it is. Two. Yeah. Is this week the... Sunday, yeah. It's done? Mm -hmm. It's over? Mm Mm-hmm. Wow. I don't know how they could do any more surprises. Are Shiv and Tom going to strangle each other? I have to even like skip through. I'm not saying a word. I say no words. People should not be that mean to each other. And also, as someone, light of my life, you know, I know your father's passing had a big impact on you. My mother said... It's getting a little much. He's dead. <laughs> Just put him in the ground. It's getting a little much. It's getting a little rancid. It's getting a little much. He didn't like yeah. you. He wasn't nice to you. Put him in the ground and start spending his money. I have to say, I love all the, the speculation. And the funniest one was the person who said, um, Tom and Shiv are going to have a baby and Cousin Greg is going to imprint on it, you know, like the end of Twilight. <laughs> no, it's going to be Rosemary's baby. It's going to be the spawn of Satan. I There's do... no baby. This is a week happening. There's no baby happening. There's It's a week. Well, I fast forward. Who knows? By the way, greatest, greatest series finale in history, in yeah. history, What was on HBO. It was the season or the series finale of Six Feet Under. I agree. That was, that was a that was masterpiece. A kick in the fucking... The Sia, the Sia song. Oh, and the only way they could match that is if they fast forward 
And Greg, cousin Greg, is the CEO of Waystar and banging models and doing blow off the ass of really, <laughs> really hot, um, really hot uh, uh, male and one. female prostitutes. Uh, I am okay. so here for okay. that. HBO. Yeah. I, I can't believe. H to the B to the O, bitches. HBO. I cannot believe that you and I agree on the best finale. That's true. And also, by the way, uh, rest in peace, Tina Turner. Uh, and we agree on her greatest song, What's Love Got to Do With It? Although I will say, It's Only mm -hmm. Love with Brian Adams. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Jesus. They oh, were everything. Well, his voice contrasted with yeah. hers. Everything she did. Everything she did. I li I listened to Tina Turner one year when that big album came out that she got she got sort of revived again. And I was in the I lived in New York and I listened to it on Play and play and play again. And I just love Tina Turner. Also a decent uh, actress, Mad Max. I think it was Beyond Thunderdome. Yeah, Matt, yeah Thunderdome. And just a cool person. If you look at there's a lot of interviews showing up with her online. Um, and they're all uh they're all fantastic. She's just she's just hysterically funny. Yeah. She was yeah. with Mike Wallace at her beautiful estate. She had an estate in the south of France where we're will be. Um, not at the estate. And it was gorgeous. She had an infinity pool overlooking the Riviera. And he goes, um, do you deserve this? I think he says this to her, which is kind of a weird question. Do you deserve and, this? Uh, but she handles it so beautifully, and she goes, I deserve more. And I, just the way she did it was quiet and like, fuck you, dude. Well, you know who and bought that estate out of probate already? Who? David Zaslov. <laughs> He's probably throwing the party. He's there now in Con. He's there now with, with By the, the way, what's the chance I'm going to get offered another CNN show right now? Not at Pretty all. Not less even slightly. Zero? I'm not, I'm entirely serious. We're going to have a conversation after this. We are changing the name of our podcast to HBO. Read us out. Just leave us out. Do not say HBO once more. Read us out. Today's show was produced by Lara Neyman, Evan Angle, and Taylor Griffin. Ernie and Dutat engineered this episode. Thanks also to Drew Burrows and Neil Silverio. Make sure you subscribe to the show wherever you listen to podcasts. Thanks for listening to Pivot from New York Magazine and Vox Media. We'll be back next week for another breakdown of all things tech and business. Be sure to tune in to Girls to Game of Thrones, to The Wire, and to pivot from HBO. <laughs> that's, that's good. good. That's, that's good. <laughs>